Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, the team here at Hotel Analyst sit around the desk of insights to discuss some news items that have caught our eye from the last week or so. This week is no exception, so I have Andrew Sankster, our editorial director, with me. And my name is Chris Bowen. I'm the editor at Hotel Analyst. And today we are going to start by taking a look at what's been going on in Germany recently um, and specifically uh, what Radisson uh, are up to. They've just formed an association which looks like they have done something similar to several of the other uh, branded hotel groups in Germany where frankly if you're going to build hotels with any decent level of pace you you need to sign up with some partners. Uh, part of the reason for this is of course that the German landlords love to lease properties and if you're going to lease them and you're going to run as an asset light organization you need partners to sign those leases so Radisson's teamed up to uh, w with a new operating company or what seems to be a new operating company and with a developer called Fay Projects uh, the first fruits of this is going to be a Radisson hotel in Leipzig, um, but they're looking to grow more Radissons in Germany, Austria and Switzerland off the back of this. Andrew, what do you make of uh, this development? Well, it's interesting. Germany is very much the apple of most hotel brands' eyes right now. Um, and this is despite there being a, a few structural challenges in the German market. You've already mentioned a key one, which is this lease aspect. But uh, I, would, I would point also to the demand side, um, where particularly in the upscale and luxury end of the market, Germany struggles to get the room rates that are achieved elsewhere in Europe. I just had a look at some figures from SDR for the year to date uh, for September um, for luxury hotels. So in Amsterdam, um, the average rate's 408 US dollars, London 432, Paris a whopping 690, but Berlin just 239. And I think that gives the scale of the problem there it's sort of about half of what the major cities a third of what Paris is making for Germany's capital in terms of room rate um, I think that's been a struggle um, the other struggle ahead I think is the huge amount of supply that's coming into the market mm. now STR has again highlighted this but also looked at another data supplier and it's top hotel and they reckon there's 229 hotel openings in 2020 um, against the 66 planned for this year and for 2021 there are already 186 projects which top hotel reckon are going to be opening um, so this is a very big new supply and i think this is going to be a challenge i think in the in the short term performance for for german hotels uh, an interesting bit is that it's still dominated by domestic brands and independents as a marketplace so top hotels reckon that these smaller groups and independents will account for 677 of the planned 762 hotels in 2020 the international players are moving in and as you've you pointed to what Radisson is doing they've got you know and they're, they're teaming up with the third party management outfit gorgeous smiling hotels a brilliant name I think um, <laughs> yes but I mean your other IHG are looking at about 33 expresses Accor 14 Ibis styles Marriott 15 Moxies so the international players are coming in there but there is this challenge from the domestic 
players um, coming up with their own brands. So you've got Novum Hospitality doing that, and you've mm-hmm. also got strong domestic brands like Motel well, One, Motel which, are, One yeah, 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 which are going out, well, as we know, beyond um, Germany, um, strong now in the UK. Um, so we, we're seeing this. So it's not entirely, it's going to be interesting to see how, just how this plays out, this dynamic. And I think the international brands have to demonstrate they're bringing value to the to the owners and in particular to the very much more hands-on i would argue the third party operators who are signing these leases mm. um if they're these third party operators are gonna um take on a brand that they're, they're very astute at judging whether brands deliver or not and so it, it'll be a you know what is the value offering of the international brands and it'll be very interesting to see how you know th- how well they can get traction in germany in the next few years because what you've said is that they they can't sprinkle the magic in quite the same way as they do in other markets in terms of uh, demanding extra room rate just because they're a so-and-so brand uh the partly that yeah but i i think there's a bit more transparency in there when you've got third party players there who are taking a number of different brands um it's quite clear you, you can't sort of um, have the um, kind of dark arts approach which some of the um, global hotel brands have tried to do with owners in the past and uh, I think there's a bit more transparency there and you're absolutely right that the, the marketplace itself in Germany is um, is a challenge especially in this but it, it theoretically what ought to be happening is that the, there's a big differentiation in a in a tough marketplace it ought to be ideal for for the stronger brands to to go out there and win business so that's what ought to be happening at least in theory let's see what happens in practice yes i think motel one in their most recent quarterly reports suggested they were uh, relishing the the fight as times get a bit tougher they were looking expecting a downturn but uh, not scared by it at all so um be interesting to see how they all get on Mm. Now then, we're off to have a look a little further afield at uh, some of the disruptors in the market, in uh, and, and particularly what's going on in uh, in India. Um, you can add up all the sums of money that's that have been lost so far, or should we say invested, as uh, <laughs> the various disruptors come into the market. And one of the interesting things about India is, apart from obviously you've got Oyo, who are popping up all over the place um, to try and grow a massive brand out of India across the globe, but the other interesting thing is that um, also in India you've got Amazon moving into the market, and there are rumours that they are going to get involved in possibly marketing hotel rooms as well. Big, big, big issue. Um, I think a couple of things. In a a sort of broader market perspective, I think we are at a sea change in this whole, if you want to talk about the sort of um, dot-com 1.0, which went bang in 2000. I think we're at a point in um, dot-com 2.0, which looks like it could go bang in 2020, 20 years later. I think the clear signs and investors are pulling in their horns and are saying, look, growth alone is not enough. You've actually got to uh, demonstrate some profit. Um, And it's interesting that the the, the CEO of uh, OYO at speaking at Focusrite over in um, Florida last month and he gave a presentation um, and he he was quite keen to make look we're on course to start making money they're still loss making even in India one of their more mature markets mm. they're still loss making but he was arguing look we we're getting much better at not losing as much money uh, <laughs> which, which, which not the most compelling argument but I, I, I guess it's better um, 
But I mean, you know, at least on paper, it looks very interesting. I mean, um, he was saying that, you know, they're the biggest chain in the Asia Pacific market. They're claiming 950,000 plus rooms against second place Xinjiang, 750,000, and third place Wazoo with 420,000. So I, th- I think, you know, they've got market leadership, at least in room numbers mm. there, even if it's not how much money they're making. <laughs> and there's a lot to play for, you know, as they go, because where they've got their dominant market, market position he was saying that the Indian market has just six million rooms in the hands of independents and he reckons that China has 45 million rooms in the hands of independents so as you know they the, China is their second market after India they're really going for so if they can turn that the, 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 they're going to be in a very strong position indeed and the next biggest market according to his figures was Europe with 35 million rooms in the hands of independents so interesting where they're seeing the world um, and how they're planning to swoop on it um, their their argument is that they're tech enabled and they're inevitably they talked about artificial intelligence driving things um, and a couple of things I think were quite interesting one is on the operational side how their tech helps them be much more efficient they reckon that they can clean get rooms cleaned two and a half times quicker <laughs> uh, thanks to their housekeeping app app um, which I, you know I would be slightly skeptical of um, of if you put that up against a sort of more established um, brand and the other thing they say they're very good at doing is signing hotels much much quicker than what he described as legacy brands so he said a legacy hotel brand took six to 12 months to sign a property and Oyo can do it in under five days and they do this for a, a data-driven um, approach they've got 10 million unique buildings on a database they're getting 2,000 quality leads he said a month out of this database and they're able to assess stuff with their super whizzy ai and and say look this is a good deal this is a bad deal and and sign on the dotted line in five days so which makes them a much more formidable franchising machine i guess that that's the argument that he's coming out with um we will see i mean there was an article this week in the ft the financial times um quoting analysts at Goldman Sachs and they pointed out that venture capital funders are pulled right back from putting cash into this gig economy type operation and a sort of 22% drop in the amount of money that's been handed to to startups in that field um, so there's a clear indicator that the uh, you know the, the the boom days are perhaps behind us in, in in this area this the the platform players are actually facing the hard cold reality of demonstrating a, a cash return for 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 their investors mm. there's a bit of shake up to yeah come, well of course um oyo is backed by softbank who uh, are currently uh, licking their wounds a bit with regard to their investment in WeWork, which has all gone yeah, a bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Bit, um, and just start the wheels come off WeWork. Um, but the thing that struck yeah, me about looking at what's going on in, in India is, of course, you've got Amazon, who are looking to play into the uh, into the market there, and um, Flipkart, which was the Indian startup, which, of course, has been backed by Walmart, the big, massive American mm-hmm. grocery chain. So there's two, two American corporations there with very deep pockets, um, looking to play into this market and it's a market where um, you know where the consumer doesn't necessarily look straight away to Google and online search for their answers um, if they can be persuaded to come into your app and your app's got most of the answers across lots of different wants then um, 
the uh, the environment could be quite different and uh, the opportunity quite uh, quite significant as well yeah it's going to be a fun one to watch actually this how, how this indian market um develops i mean it is much more accessible than china where um their own online players have so much of a grip in the marketplace the likes of alibaba um, um and the, 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 the likes of their their unique app apps they have in that in that marketplace makes it much harder to to make headway whereas i think the indian market is despite the levels of bureaucracy that that exist there it is it is certainly a more open market from an international perspective than china yeah now we're going to have a look at apart hotels or service departments or if robert godwin has his way we'll be calling them hometels soon um so service departments uh hotel rooms with a little kitchen in them perhaps um we've we've watched this sector for the last few years as it's moved from being a very much a uh, an adventurous investor play um through to now what looks like it's becoming very much an institutional investment play uh, and what's what's interesting we've spotted recently is a couple of the uh, operators in this area have uh, beefed up their boards with some interesting hires um, at the same time as a quite a large deal's been done in Manchester which sees uh, an institutional buyer Decker from Germany buying into what is allegedly the biggest um, apart hotel block in the UK. Uh, they spent £80 million buying the 166-unit uh, block in Manchester, which is uh, operated by Native. Um, so, Andrew, is, is, is this uh, further proof that um, apart hotel service departments are moving into the mainstream? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, we've got this sort of blurring across the whole accommodation sector. I mean, quite how you define what an apartment hotel is, what a service department is against what a hotel is, I think it's becoming increasingly tricky. Um, sort of kitchen seems to be involved somewhere in terms of the room um, to, to distinguish it from a regular hotel. But uh, outside of that, with the actual length of stay ever shortening um, at apartment hotels uh, it's quite difficult to see you know how differentiated they are from a regular hotel offering so I mean I would increasingly say that they are joining the, the the broader accommodation market there is still there is still a little bit of a you know from a financing perspective particularly from debt financiers if you go to the mainstream banks they're still a little bit more reluctant to, to put money particularly on the development side into service departments relative to say a hotel project where there is much more of a track record you know debt banks are, are understandably cautious beasts and um they, they, they want to see that track record there um, it, it, it's less available I think for for service departments although increasingly so and I think more and more debt finance is going in there and certainly um, acquisitions of uh, existing assets there's, there's certainly debt finance there it's just the development bit which is still a little bit um, hazy um, uh, but but in terms of you know where this market is going yeah it, it's I, I think two things one it's going to carry on being a fast growing sector but but it, i think it's just going to become part of the broader accommodation piece and we become harder and harder to, to 
tell mm. apart. And I, th- I think what we, you know, as we've talked about in the past, I think increasingly we'll start seeing the um, sort of with with the, particularly with new developments where we will have a, a sort of more conventional hotel room alongside a perhaps a longer stay offer uh, makes a lot of sense just to cater to that differentiated demand where it can be established. Well, of course, you can argue that uh, Airbnb did the service department operators a big favour because it, it made people realise that actually they could stay in something other than a hotel room. And uh, if you're staying in someone's apartment and it's got a little kitchenette in there, that's quite convenient. So when you next look online and you spot, hey, I can I can actually think take a, take a thing that looks a bit like a hotel but has got a kitchenette, then uh, suddenly the service department became much much more obvious to, um, to the average consumer. And then I suppose the other thing is because we now can book online and you can you, as a service department operator you can you can fill all your shoulder single nights by uh, by just gra- grabbing someone who would otherwise stay in a hotel yeah yeah no, i think what's interesting what you've got is you kind of got people coming from the residential property market heading into the accommodation market and you've got some accommodation players um dedicated hoteliers heading into this longer term let piece as well and they're coming at it and i think what's what, what what's happening is that the resi um players are having to get into the un- how hotels are operated understand a little bit about revenue management understand about distribution and the hoteliers coming into this market they're having to adjust to how um, regular commercial property investors look at the market and say well look you know what's your profitability per square meter mm-hmm. stop talking to me about revpar another arcane terminology yeah. actually what i want to know is you know w- what you're going to be delivering um for the, the amount of money i'm putting into this building um so uh, I think it's looking uh, positive for both both sides actually and in terms of the meeting of minds and the combining of knowledge to actually take um, all the businesses And I think what's also interesting is the way in which for example I was speaking with Rob Godwin of Room 2 you know they developed a a new brand with a certain certain style of their own in terms of the the service department market and there's more and more of that kind of uh, people carving a little niche within the service accommodation marketplace uh, yeah, and uh, uh, absolutely, and this is the point in, in terms of just having some sort of dis- a distinctive offering in in the market, which is which is important. And certainly, the hoteliers have been very guilty of of not offering something distinctive in the marketplace. And I, I, I suspect that you could take um, even some of the, the the brand people from from some of the global hotel majors and stick them in one of their rivals' um, hotel rooms and that they would be hard pressed to say whether it's actually one of theirs or <laughs> yeah. one of their rivals once you took away the you know the yeah. obvious name yeah. bits um because there the just isn't that differentiation there and i think we 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 are seeing you know some of the best innovation coming out of these newer entrants i mean uh, I would look at, say, Locke um, as, as a good example of um, a serviced hotel operator coming in and evolving a, a new offering which is distinctive and actually has something unique in the marketplace. And it's that classic one, you, you know, it, it, when you, you, you sort of do your, your basics in marketing, it's where do you position your product? Um, if you If you 
that the analogy that's usually used is about a beach and you, you have the ice ice cream stand right in the middle of the beach if you're the only ice cream stand but when you've got you know a dozen or so ice cream stands you're better off actually moving it to one end of the beach because that is more distinctive and you're actually able to say maybe charge another 10p on your ice cream because people don't have to walk all the way into the middle of the of the beach to get it if they're at that particular end of it and i think we're seeing this differentiation um in in the market from players well i hope like you all this. got that and me i'm off for a magnum okay bye for now